Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Come to us, JP! Hey, yo, 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 bring it in. Hey, this is the moment right here. This is the moment we all been waiting for, dog. This is our moment, man. We're going to protect this with everything you know. It is week six of the 2021 NFL season, and the 4-1 Tampa Bay Buccaneers are traveling up to take on the 2-3 Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday night football in the city of brotherly love. What's up, everyone? Welcome into season one, episode 10 of the Believe in Books podcast. I am your host, Evan Winter. You can find me on Twitter at Evan underscore Winter. You can find my written work at allbucks.com, which is Sports Illustrated's Tampa Bay Buccaneers website. And then, of course, you can find this podcast and just the multitude of other wonderful podcasts that the Believe Podcast family has to offer on Believe.com. Also, check out the Twitter handle, at Believe Podcasts. And all of these podcasts, including this one and everything I was just talking about, is available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that crap. So make sure you subscribe, download, rate, all that stuff. Yes, I've become your generic podcast host promoting my own show. Get over it. There are plenty of things in life we don't like. And this is one of them for me. But guess what, damn it? I have to do it. But anyway... Thank y'all so much for listening. Have an excellent show planned for you on this newest episode, this latest episode. Uh, obviously, we're going to preview the Bucks Eagles game. And I have not one, but two guests on to break this down. Two very uh, close uh, acquaintances of mine. And Jeff Warren of the Philadelphia Sports Table Podcast Show and Joey Jarzinka, host of the Primetime Rundown on the Eastern Observer Podcast. Both dudes are awesome. Uh, We're going to take a little bit of a different spin in this this episode. Uh, Instead of having both guys just break down the game from an overall standpoint, Jeff and I are going to specifically discuss the uh, Eagles defense slash Bucks offense matchup. And then Joey and I are going to discuss the Eagles offense slash Bucks defense matchup. So we've got plenty of content, plenty of discussion, and you should be very well versed after listening to this podcast as we go into this Thursday night matchup. But before we do that, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Bucks Dolphins game from the few days ago. Obviously, the 45-17 beatdown. I have two main observations that I took away from that game, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about Tampa Bay and the Eagles injury report as it currently stands. This is being recorded on a Wednesday morning, so it is as about up to date as you can get in terms of relative content and relative news. But anyways, going back to the Bucks Dolphins. Uh, the number one thing that stood out to me is, you know, the meme where, you know, the, the person's sweating and they're trying to, you know, push, you know, whatever button they're trying to figure out which button to push. That's currently me right now when it comes to this Tampa Bay secondary. I am so close to sounding the alarm. And this is all because of what Jacoby Brissett and a handicapped Dolphins offense was able to do against the Bucks secondary. Look, when you're going up against Mac Jones, 
And I don't know why I led off with Mac Jones, but anyways, when you're going up against Mac Jones, but before Mac Jones, you're going up against Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford. Dude, those are three really good quarterbacks. You know, just about any defense is going to have trouble with those guys, especially if your defense is missing its key players, like the Bucks have been over the last few weeks. Jamel Dean goes down in week three, misses the most of that Rams game, then proceeds to miss the Patriots game. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting obviously goes down within the first half of the first quarter uh, against the Cowboys in week one. Carlton Davis goes down against in the Patriots game, and they had to play without him and with and against the Dolphins. But look, this Dolphins offense is not good. It, it wasn't good coming into the game. It, it, it's not good now. Jacoby Brissett, you know, all respect due, is not that good of a quarterback. The offensive line sucks. And they were missing a lot of their top wideouts. They were missing Devontae Parker. They were missing Will Fuller. They were missing Jakeem Grant because they traded his ass away. Granted, Preston Williams and Mike Gusecki are still two really good options. But this Dolphins offense is nothing to be worried about. At least with Mac Jones and the Patriots, you have a number one draft pick in Mac Jones who is looked at to be the future of the franchise, and you have a really good offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels, so you can somewhat understand why there would have been issues there with the Bucks secondary when it comes to the Patriots, but the fact that Jacoby Brissett and this Dolphins offense was able to move up and down the field against the Bucks defense at will until Brissett got hurt, it's got me worried, y'all. I'm not going to lie. Obviously, this could all change in a few weeks whenever Carlton and SMB come back, if they do come back anytime soon. Y'all know my standpoint on this. I feel like Carlton will probably be back after the bye week. He'll probably be good to go for the Washington game for the second half of the season. But SMB, I'll be surprised if we see him again during the regular season. Obviously, we've got Sherm back there now. You know, Jamel Dean is back in the fold. But still, if, if they can get just one of those two guys back relatively quick, quickly, which I would think Carlton Davis is back pretty soon, and then pretty soon I mean like five weeks, but either way, um, if they can get one of those two guys back relatively soon, then the secondary should be in much better shape, but still, y'all, I'm worried, and uh, it's definitely going to be something to continue to monitor closely as the season wears on. Observation number two would obviously have to be that it looks like this Bucks running attack is finally starting to find its teeth. Um, it's finally just starting to find its legs. And that's great. That's something that you want to see, especially after the uh, quote-unquote production we saw through the first three weeks of the season with this running attack. I mean, it was basically non-existent. And it wasn't just from a production standpoint. It was from an involvement standpoint. You know, these Bucks running backs were not involved in the game plan whatsoever. Now, granted, the Patriots' run defense and the Dolphins' run defense is not very good at all. But whenever you're struggling to run the ball versus the Bucks. I mean, you got to take baby steps in order to start getting right again. And guess what? Producing against two bad run defenses is an excellent start. I mean, that's what you want to see, right? If you've been struggling all season long, in this case, three weeks out of, you know, four weeks heading into week four, we're starting back with the Patriots last week, then you can't expect your running attack to come out like, let's say you're not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's say you're another team and you're struggling to run the ball. Well, if you're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their top-ranked run defense, you're not going to expect 
your current run game that is currently struggling to all of a sudden just pop off against a top-rated run defense. No. You, you want to see him start chipping away, and that's exactly what the Bucks have done over these last two weeks, is they have made a case, made a statement against two not very good run defenses. But hey, like I said, that's progress right now. That's what you want to see. Now the Eagles, they are another bad run defense, and we'll get into this a little bit later during the preview, so I'll keep this part short. So if the Bucks can go out and get the ground game going again for the third straight week against another bad run defense, don't look at that as a negative. Look at that as a positive. They are building. They are doing the right things. And plus, who knows, maybe getting in a groove like this will prep them for here in a couple of weeks when they do go up against a pretty tough run defense in the Bears and a certainly tough run defense in the New Orleans Saints. And obviously the primary uh, benefit from the running game producing is the fact that you're taking pressure off Tom and I don't care who you've got back there 44 year old quarterback y'all have heard me drill this home plenty of times so far this year you want him taking as few hits as possible and obviously having a good running game will help alleviate that scenario and y'all know I'm not about establish the run I'm all about running in the right situations and running creatively so you know we'll see how it goes from here on out but something else that we're going to have to see how it goes and from here on out is the Bucks injury report. Obviously a lot of own unknown right now with some really big names and the short week does not help things at all. We'll start with the obvious names, your Rob Gronkowski's, uh, your Levante David's. Um, they are most likely going to miss this game. I know David is definitely going to miss this game. Uh, doesn't look like Gronk is going to play. Bruce said on Bruce Arians, that is said on Tuesday, that it's going to be really, really close. Um, so who knows there? Uh, you've still got Antoine Winfield in concussion protocol. He's been limited in practice or quote-unquote practice the last two days. And, you know, I think he would be okay to play this week if this week's game wasn't on a Thursday. I think those few extra days that speed up, that accelerate the concussion protocol timeline – I just feel like that's going to do a disservice to him. He's probably going to sit out. Obviously, that's my own opinion. That's speculation. That has nothing rooted in fact So outside of the shortened timeline scenario. So obviously, um, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, we can get him back because, man, he was balling out in week four against the Patriots. And you hate to see somebody who's having such a good game like that all of a sudden, you know, their chances, for lack of a better word, get cut short because of an injury. Uh, good news on the injury front is Ryan Jensen was upgraded from a non-participant on Monday to a limited participant on Tuesday. Apparently, he has some kind of hip ailment, and he needs to go because uh, the Bucks are facing off against two really good interior pass rushers in Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox. And they are the the root of the Eagles' defense. They are what gets the defense going. And uh, Jonathan Gannon loves to rush four guys, and it definitely starts up front with those two. So I know Bruce Arians has said in the past that Ali Marpet is the number two center. However, Robert Hainsey did come in in garbage time, albeit it was garbage time. But he did come in last week and snapped uh, the ball a few times to Blaine Gabbard. I believe he played 12 snaps. So... If Jensen can't go, there is definitely a chance that Ali Marpet is the center and they shuffle, uh, they bring in Aaron Stinney to play left guard. However, 
there is definitely a shot that Robert Hainsey would play this game. And if he's playing and he's going up against two guys like Fletcher Cox and Javon Hagan, Woo! Talk about a rough first start for a rookie, especially a rookie center. But we'll obviously know more about Jensen's situation on Wednesday. Patrick O'Connor, who missed last week's game with a calf uh, injury, was upgraded from limited to full on Monday from Monday to Tuesday. Chris Godwin has been listed as limited with knee and ankle issues over the last two days. He obviously missed last year's Thursday night game in Chicago, so Bucks definitely need him this week. Uh, we'll see how that one goes. And then outside of those guys, Tom Brady obviously is the next biggest name, but he should be fine. He's had his a glove on his right hand the last couple days, but he's even said it's not going to affect him. Now, we know players can say stuff like that. I mean, you just look at Christian McCaffrey last week saying that he was you know, positive he was going to play or whatever. I'm paraphrasing. And then as it turns out, he's doubtful on the injury report, and he doesn't play. So, you know, I mean, it, it could just it, – it could always be a wide-ranging thing when it comes to these injuries, and it's become even harder over the years to uh, kind of dig through these injury reports um, since the NFL decided to get rid of the probable tag. But outside of that, in terms of the injury report – uh, you know, you don't really have anybody else on there you have to worry about. You have a couple names, Ryan Subcup and Antonio Brown and Giovanni Bernard, but I think their Bucks are just listing them on there just to play by the rules. All three guys have been full participants uh, the last two days in practice. So definitely a lot to keep an eye on, though, over the coming days, especially today on Wednesday, to see uh, what shakes out in terms of Winfield, Gronk, and Jensen, and a couple of others. But I know y'all are sick and tired of listen, listening to me babble on and on and on. So we're going to go ahead and get into the Bucks and Eagles game preview with Jeff Warren of the Philadelphia Sports Table Podcast Show and Joey Jarzinka, uh, host of the Primetime Rundown on the Eastern Observer Podcast. So I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with both of those guys right after this. All right, we're headed into the second segment of episode 10 of the Believe in Bucks podcast, which means it is now time to get to the meat of this episode. That's right, the Bucks Eagles preview for Thursday night football. And like I said in the first segment, I'm going to split this uh, this episode's preview up because I have two excellent guests. We're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball today with Jeff Warren of the Philadelphia Sports Table Podcast Show. You can find him at Jeffrey underscore score Warren and that's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y Warren spelled how it sounds and then you can find the Philadelphia Sports uh, Table Podcast Show at Philadelphia PST uh, be sure to check them both out uh, awesome content awesome dude Jeff man thank you so much for coming on how are you doing good Evan man thanks so much for having me on I appreciate it yeah, of course. Uh, always, we've talked a few times in the past, so glad we can finally uh, put our powers together for a Bucks Eagles yes. matchup, man. So absolutely, <laughs> let's waste no time and go ahead get straight into it. Uh, let's start up front in the trenches because obviously this is where the game starts and ends uh, yeah. in a lot of these types of contests. Um, 
the Eagles obviously have some talent in terms of a pass rush on their side of the ball, uh, mainly Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox. If we know that there's any type of pressure that can really affect Tom Brady and this offense, it is going to be interior pressure, pressure from the inside. How can those two guys get it done against the core trio of Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen, if he plays? He was listed as a DN, uh, did not participate on uh, Monday's quote-unquote injury report, but um, also an Alex Kappa. How does Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox get it done against those three guys? You know, you guys in the box, you got some big boys up front for sure, and it is going to be a, a night certainly for Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox as well as our defensive ends. Uh, it's certainly going to be a night where it's going to be difficult for them to get to Tom Brady. But I, I think when you look at what type of defense Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles really have been running this year, they are the least blitzing team in the NFL, the least blitzing defense at 8.3. Next on the list is the Las Vegas Raiders at a little bit over 11% of snaps where they're blitzing. I mean, that you're not going to see, and Tom Brady is probably not going to see a lot of blitzing. So like you're talking about in the trenches, it's going to have to come up front from Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. And as us Eagles fans and Eagles nation knows Javon Hargrave, I mean, he is having one heck of a season. I go back to 2020, look at him thinking, you know what his career and trajectory here in Philadelphia He's not really getting it done. He averaged one sack every 133.45 defensive snaps. He recorded only 17 pressures last year, nine hurries, and only two quarterback hits. I mean, that's last year in 2020. But you've moved to this year. He's now averaging a sack every 35 snaps, which is fantastic considering he's averaging 47.6 snaps per game. So rattling off these statistics is for is basically me saying, Javon Hargrave is the bread and butter of this Eagles defense. And frankly, he is the MVP of this Eagles defense. We've been talking about it on our podcast show, on the Eagles postgame shows that we do as well. And Fletcher Cox, too, recording his first sack this past week against the Carolina Panthers down in uh, Carolina. J Fletcher Cox getting a little bit of uh, pressure on him up here with regard to the Philly sports media, saying he's not necessarily living up to that contract that he has. But uh, he certainly showed a lot this past week. And quite frankly, when you look at the Eagles in the trenches, too, look, it, it's 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 going to be hit or miss based on the blitz, I think. And I think when we're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defending Super Bowl champs, like I'm not thinking that it's going to be a day where there's going to be a lot of sacks on Tom Brady. Tom Brady's 44 years old in this league for a reason. He gets the ball out quick. I'd be surprised if there are more than three sacks in this game, quite frankly. Well, and, you know, especially coming from a Tampa Bay point of view, where Tampa Bay is the most, you know, blitz heavy team in the league. Yeah. It can, a lot of times, fans, when they hear that, you know, that a defensive coordinator doesn't like the blitz a whole lot, it can really set them back, kind of, you know, make them second guess that defensive coordinator. However, if there's one way to beat a Tom Brady, a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, so on and so forth, it's to get pressure with your front four and drop yep. seven guys in back or, or back in coverage, you know, whatever else you're doing on, in the defensive secondary. So if that pass rush can get going on Thursday night, especially with just four dudes, even if they're not getting Brady on the ground, it could be enough to disrupt this Bucks offense. Obviously, we'll have to see. Uh, but sticking with the pass rush real quick before we move to the next level of the defense, um, Josh Sweat. A lot was expected yeah. of him coming in when he was drafted. What's your, been your evaluation of him through the first five weeks of the year so far? 
Absolutely love what we're seeing from Josh Sweat. And I love the fact that the Eagles defensive staff have given him a little bit more playing time too, especially after signing that contract extension worth up to about $42 million just a few weeks ago. Look at the beginning of the season, I think it was week two. He was only playing 40% of the snaps week three that moved that got up to 63% week four, 69% in this past week against Carolina, he was playing 75% of the snaps. Now, listen, he's got to do, a, 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 a yeoman's work, not having Brandon Graham out there and really trying to fill in for him. But you take a look at his athleticism coming off uh, off the tackles. He really understands how to bull rush guys. He understands really his own athleticism and the gentlemen that are in front of him on the offensive line, how he can actually really disrupt that pocket. And that's what Josh Sweat really has been able to do. And I love, as an Eagles fan, the development we've seen from him because inevitably this year for Philadelphia Eagles fans and for this team, this is a developmental year. (laughs) That's what it is. And we actually are seeing Josh sweat develop time and time again. He really has been uh, putting up some great numbers. He's really been uh, making himself known on this defensive uh, core, especially in the trenches. And he's, he's somebody I think who, uh, he could be an X-Fi. I, I may be mentioning him a little bit later on <laughs> in the show here, Evan. <laughs> no spoiler alert or anything like that. Though, exactly. Right? <laughs> was, the, uh, was the lack of playing time, to your knowledge, was that injury related? I mean, was that just him just getting off to a slow start? Do you have any insight on that? There were, you know, this Eagles organization is funny in a lot of ways. Of course, there's a new regime right now. A lot of young coaches, especially on the defensive side of the ball. There's, there's young coaches everywhere. But I think within this Eagles uh, brass. There's been a culture of not necessarily playing a lot of young guys right off the bat. And I think that really was prevalent over the past, you know, the, the, especially the past season with the last regime, they just didn't let their young guys play a lot. There were certainly some injuries and I know there was concern about, about the uh, college injury that Josh sweat had as well. And whether or not he might re-aggravate that, But I think now that we're seeing a new era in Eagles coaching, especially defensive coaching, too, I think that's why we're seeing that count now, again, after this past week, up to 75 percent. And again, he's he's really, really disruptive in the backfield, making that pocket collapse. And I think we're going to possibly see a little bit more of that this week. Well, hopefully, I know Bucks fans are thinking, hoping they don't see it. Right, right. Obviously, <laughs> that remains to be seen. Right. Very okay, true. So, so moving before we get to the secondary, moving to the linebackers. I mean, unless you're an Eagles fan or oh. unless you're just an NFL fan in general, not too many names that you can recognize if you're looking at the depth chart. But we know. Nope. I mean, I mean, you've been doing this for a while, <laughs> just like I have. You know, it's not about names at the end of the day. But. Is this Eagles linebacking core something the Bucks need to look out for on Thursday night? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. This linebacker core, quite frankly, stinks. <laughs> and I'm just being honest about it. Everybody needs always to be... appreciated, man. Exactly, always. exactly. Honesty is always the best formula when we're having discussions. Look, the Two linebackers have played the most snaps thus far for the Philadelphia Eagles are Alex Singleton. He's played 74% of snaps, at least definitely heading into this past week. And Eric Wilson, free agent, who's not a long-term piece of this team. He's played 72% of his snaps. And after that, it's been Jernard Avery, TJ Edwards, Patrick Johnson, and another gentleman I'm going to name in a little bit too, who I think, you know, Bucks fans should look out for possibly. 
But these aren't names that people know, like you said, Evan. These aren't linebackers who are a real threat. I have a lot of concern as being an Eagles fan and here on uh, or doing my Eagles podcast, you know, that Tom Brady is just going to slice and dice whatever he wants to do with, with regard to this linebacker crew. They're, they're just not a good crew at all. Singleton and Wilson haven't been playing very well. And while they're the first and second on the team in terms of tackles, they also have, and I, it was coming into this week, I believe they were just two of nine players league wide to have missed six plus tackles. And, and that's, Oof. you know, I mean, <laughs> that's rough. Yeah. That's rough, especially on third down. They're giving up huge chunks in coverage. This, this duo has been targeted 35 times and has also given up 30 catches for 272 yards and four touchdowns, according wow. to Pro Football Focus. Yeah, wow. it's, it's not good. <laughs> Tom Brady <laughs> and, and the slot receivers, those on the Buccaneers team that are going to be lining up in the slot are, gonna, are going to feast, as is one Rob Gronkowski, if he is actually going to be playing. So just real quick before we jump into the secondary, so how much does this linebacker core have an effect on the Eagles' uh, lack of run defense? Do you think are, are they just not filling oh. their gaps? I mean, based off the eye test, what you're seeing, do they have? Are they like pretty much the main contributing factor to the Eagles' run defense? Well, it's interesting. That's a really interesting question because you know us Eagles fans realize and know that linebacker has not been a priority for this organization in quite some time. I mean that that is a fact. When you look at the linebackers that have been drafted over the past few years, we have one gentleman in Davion Taylor, third round pick from two drafts ago. And he's the gentleman who I wanted to bring up uh, just a couple minutes ago. He's somebody who we're looking to see develop into that next really good Eagles running back. But he too has been plagued by injury. And he is somebody who just needs to get out there, get his feet wet, get some playing time. He's an incredibly athletic individual. But to answer your question in terms of the run stoppage, I think with Jonathan Gannon really only blitzing, as I mentioned earlier, 8.3% of the time, you know, he's counting on guys winning in the gaps. He's counting right. on, you know, in the trenches, he's counting on, on the defensive ends and defensive tackles out there and a heavy rotation of them, which was what we have seen thus far. And it just hasn't manifested itself. The Eagles rushing defense has been absolutely abysmal this year. And it also is because the linebackers they just have trouble reading where that linebacker is going to go. And again, I go back to the fact that uh, Eric Wilson and uh, Alex Singleton, just two of nine players league wide who have six plus missed tackles. It's a huge issue for this team. Run stoppage has been really tough for the Eagles for sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because Tampa Bay's ground game has really picked up a lot of steam these last two yeah. weeks. Now, granted, you look at their defenses they've played. The Patriots aren't very good at stopping the run, and neither are the Dolphins. But for a struggling ground game coming into week four, like the Bucs had, you do want to see them win the matchups they're supposed to win. At least that's a step in the right direction. Right. So that's the case. Hopefully that happens this week again. Uh, but obviously, like I've said, sound like a broken record at this point. That remains to be seen. Um, so real quick, Darius Slayton, we know what he can do. We know what he's going to do on Thursday night. Tampa Bay, we know what they can do in terms of their receivers. What defensive back not named Darius Slay has to step up on Thursday night? It's Steve Nelson for sure. Steve Nelson did have an interception this past week against Carolina Panthers. Sam Darnold basically threw it right to him. We have seen a lot 
of sloppy play, a lot of miscommunication play coming from Steve Nelson thus far this year. He just, he, there's a reason why he was a free agent as long as he was, then the <laughs> Eagles picked him up. You know, I, no disrespect to him, but really what we have seen on the field, again, it's a lot, it's been a lot of miscommunication. He's been out of position. He definitely needs to have himself a very good day. Do I think it's possible? Yes. Do I think it's probable? Probably no. When you're going up against the likes of Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, again, Rob Gronkowski, depending where he's going to be lined up, as well as another a, a host of other uh, receiving options for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Steve Nelson, I mean, he's got to step up. And it, it. I say during this developmental year as an Eagles fan, it is when we see guys like Steve Nelson, even Darius Slay, I mean, we, we like what Darius Slay has obviously done, but for us, it's a developmental year. These guys aren't the long-term pieces for this Philadelphia Eagles team in the secondary. They're just not. But to answer your question, yeah, it's got to be Steve Nelson because uh, he's certainly been struggling this year and he's got he's to do a 180 for sure. The Bucks know what it's like to have plenty of questions in the secondary last night or right oh, now. Yeah. And, right. yeah, and that's going to go a long way in determining how this game plays out. And, man, and we'll get into this uh, obviously a little bit later, but I'm a little nervous about Tampa Bay secondary. But anyways, so impact player, who's the one guy on the Eagles defense that you think is either going to – it could go both ways, have a bad or a great impact, but most likely a, a good impact on this game. Yeah, I, I honestly think that it's going to be um, the gentleman we were talking about earlier and Josh Sweat. I, I do. I mean, aside from Javon Hargrave, who's having himself a Pro Bowl year at this point. But Josh Sweat, again, he's really been developing nicely over these past few weeks. And I think after getting that big contract extension, it's really given him uh, a lot of, uh, or I should say that spark that he, I think, really needed because there was some doubt before but we know that Derek Barnett is not going to be a long-term piece here in Philadelphia after being a first-round pick. We're seeing a lot more productivity coming from Josh Sweat. And I think that Josh Sweat, even though he's going to have difficulty on that Bucks offensive line, and especially if, especially if he's going up against a guy like Trist, uh, Tristan Wirfs, you know, that's a, it's going to be tough. But I can see some um, him moving around, uh, going through some other gaps, a lot of different stunt moves from him in order to confuse the Bucks' defense. So I think Josh Sweat is, is potentially the guy this week going against the Bucks, who uh, is going to be that big impact player for the Eagles. So obviously, since we're doing the Eagles defense, I'm being an uh, impact player on the Bucks offense. And for me, it's going to have to be Leonard Fournette this week. Uh, there you go. I mean, I hate to I hate to take the low hanging fruit, and I'm also not trying to come off as an establish the run type of mentality. However, the Bucks have to continue to get the ground game going. Obviously, you have a 44 year old quarterback back there, so you don't want him getting hit as much as we've seen Tom Brady get hit. I believe he's top 10 in pressures right now, and I believe he's top 15 in terms of quarterback hits. Yeah, top 15 is not bad, but still at the same time, 44 years old. So you obviously want right. to dial that as back as much as possible. <laughs> that kind of tilts the scales just a little bit, you know. A little bit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like I said earlier, you, you want to see Tampa Bay continuing to take advantage of these bad run defenses. Uh, that just shows you that their running game is on track. So Fournette's going to have to keep it going. And he, I think it's safe to say after five weeks, 
of play that he is now officially the number one back for the Bucks, especially since Gio was pretty much uh, relegated back to his third down slash two minute slash red zone role um, last week against the Dolphins. So uh, what's your what's your bold prediction? Now, this can obviously be for offense, defense, whatever. But what's your right. bold prediction for this game? Well, I got to tell you right now, I like what the Eagles special teams did this past week in the game against Carolina. Block punt, there's just Eagles special teams delivered this past week. And I think they're going to need to continue to ride special teams. Listen, it's it's the other third of playing the game of football. And the one thing I'm extremely happy is that the Philadelphia Eagles have finally learned how to play special teams again, because for some time <laughs> it has been absolutely non-existent. But really, I think bold prediction a special teams type of play, whether it's a block punt, block field goal, could potentially go into Philly's uh, you know, favor in terms of how the game may end. Do I think the Bucs are going to win this and we're going to get to the final score prediction? Yes, I do think the Bucs are going to win, but I think the Bucs fans out there could be scared if the Eagles special teams really start coming through. Block punt, block field goal. That's, uh, that's something I think that could potentially happen in this game, especially in Philadelphia at the link. I mean, for those who have doubted special teams and how much their impact truly means in regard to a full 60 minutes, you know, four quarters NFL game, just take a look at this past Sunday. What was it, like 12 missed extra points? Uh, oh, yeah. You had Rodrigo Blankenship missing a game-winning kick against the the Ravens last night on Monday Night Football. I yep. mean, I mean, special <laughs> teams matters at the end of the day, even if, you know, touchbacks are more common than kickoff returns and so on and so forth. And plus, you know, punt returns. If, if you can get 10 – if you can average 10, yards you know per punt return or you know even a little bit less than that that's essentially a first down as soon right. as you get the ball back so field position always matters so on and so forth so yeah special teams obviously uh the third phase i mean you can't win without them and the exactly. bucks the bucks special teams you know, Bradley Pinion, after winning NFC uh, Special Teams Player of the Week in Week 1, has pretty much he struggled for the most part since then. So it'll be interesting to see if the Eagles are able to gain an advantage in that area. My bold prediction, I think the Bucks they've had, I believe it's – uh, seven sacks over the last two weeks. I don't think they're going to get any sacks this week. Uh, I know the Eagles haven't really given up too many sacks. They've given up a few here and there. Um, but overall, in terms, of, I think, adjusted sack rate, I think they're right in the middle of the pack. Um, however, Jalen Hurts, just what he's able to do with his legs. I mean, you saw it against the Falcons in week one. The Falcons had him dead to rights on two or three different occasions, but he was able to escape the pocket, get away from the pressure, and extend plays. And that is just going to give me just – it's got me worried. <laughs> Let's just right, put it right. that way okay. on okay. Thursday night, because <laughs> especially with this secondary, and this is what I was kind of alluding to earlier is whenever you get this secondary out of position, the secondary already is up against such a thin margin of error, especially with how much Todd Bowles likes the blitz. Yes. I love an aggressive defense. I've watched Tampa Bay for the last 25 years. However, when you blitz that much, your guys have to be on point, and you're also kind of leaving them out in the out to dry at certain yeah. points. Um, but regardless what Hurts can do, either way, my bold prediction is that Tampa Bay uh, no sacks after recording seven over the last two weeks. Okay. So, uh, that's it, man. So before we head out, though, obviously, we got to do the final score prediction. So who you got? I will say if it was down in Tampa Bay, I'd say this would probably be about a 62 to 16 game. But since it's going to be up in <laughs> Philadelphia uh, at the link, it, I mean, the link is going to be electric Thursday night. It really is. It, all, it always is, no matter how this team is performing. 
I'm going with a 32 to 20 score. Tampa Bay is going to win this. Nice. Yeah. So when, when, once Sunday, once the, the final gun signaled or whatever, you know, cliche phrase you want to use for Bucks Dolphins, I immediately started thinking of Thursday night, primarily because it's a Thursday night game and you kind of, you kind of just automatically got to shift focus. But, um, I was nervous. I was not going to lie. I was nervous. But now that I've kind of done some more research on the Eagles, you know, the, the their uh, let's see, what's the word? Their their aptitude to uh, to commit penalties. Now, the yeah. Bucks are the Bucks are no stranger <laughs> to committing penalties to themselves, but the Eagles are worse, which is hard to say whenever you're a Bucks uh, right. observer like myself. But that combined with the run defense just combined with the mismatches in the secondary. And then you also got to wonder if uh, the Eagles are going to be able to get home in terms of that pass rush at the end of the day. Uh, the the Bucks just absolutely put the clamps on the Dolphins when they tried to send four last week. Now, now granted, Eagles defensive line is completely different than the Dolphins defensive line. But still, like I said, you want to see them win those matchups they're supposed to win, and that's what they did. Yep. Regardless, I've got the Bucks winning. I think it's going to be a little bit closer. I don't think they're going to cover. I've got them winning 32-28. But Ooh, I do okay. think I do think it's going to be one of those backdoor covers. I think the Eagles will score a lot, you know, touchdown within the last couple minutes to, to kind of seal that gap. But regardless, they don't cover, which is going to piss a lot of betters off out there. But, hey, you know, <laughs> that's their problem and not mine. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know what? You did mention penalties and really quick. I mean, the Eagles, as we know, most penalized team in the NFL on our Eagles postgame show this past week. I mean, a buddy of mine and I are talking about the fact that that's the theme of this Eagles team this year. That's the actual theme and identity of this Philadelphia Eagles team penalties. Can they clean things up uh, this week? I, I'm not optimistic about it, but that's something definitely for us to keep in mind and look at for sure. And that's definitely one of those things that they just have to do. You can't expect them to stop until they actually stop. That's how it right. was with Tampa Bay last year going into Thursday night football week five against the, the bears, 11 penalties for, I think 109 yards. And up until that point, they were leading the league. They were tied for the Cardinals. The Bucks were for the league lead in penalties. But after that, from week six to week 17, they I think they had 42 penalties from weeks one to five. They had 42 penalties for the rest of the year. The Bucks were the least Man. penalized team. So it's just one of those things that, yeah, I don't blame you until it stops. <laughs> I, I'm going to expect it every week. And so far, that's yep. it's been the theme for the Bucks as well. Now, they've gotten better the last two weeks. Let's We'll see if that continues on Thursday night. But like we've just said, it's got to happen before I start believing it. There Jeff, you go. Man, there you go hey, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I know I plugged you before, but go ahead and plug yourself. Let everybody know where they can find you. Very much appreciate you having me on. You can find our podcast, uh, the Philadelphia Sports Table podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, and uh, philadelphiasportstable.com. There you go, folks. Check them out. Like I said, you'll be glad you did. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. All right, so we're coming in on the back end of Season 1, Episode 10 of the Believe in Bucks podcast. I'm your host, Evan Winter, and now it's time to move over to the offensive side of this Bucks eagles preview on Thursday Night Football. And with me, as promised, is Joey Jarzinka, host of the Primetime Rundown on the Eastern Observer podcast. You can find him at Real Joey Jazz. It's spelled how it sounds, capitalized both J's. And you can find the Eastern Observer podcast at observe eastern those are both twitter handles that you need to check out pronto right now if you can as long as you're not driving of course joey man what's going on dude thanks so much for coming on 
Evan, thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm really glad to be on uh, on your side of things here. It's a little crossover. I love it. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, you know, I, I had to bring you on at some point in time. And of course, here we are. So it's my pleasure to have you have you here. But like I said, before we started recording, you had to pay the piper eventually. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's like people like hanging out with me, but eventually it gets boring. So hopefully I don't. <laughs> <laughs> never yeah, us, man. never us. Ask, just ask my wife. But anyway, <laughs> let's hop into the pre- meat of the preview, man. Let's uh, let's waste no more time. As I said just a second ago, we're gonna we're gonna look at this game from the offensive standpoint of the Eagles. So obviously, when you're talking about just about any type of NFL offense, you usually always start at the quarterback position. You have Jalen Hurts there. Uh, how would you evaluate his progress through the first five weeks of the season? Are you surprised or not surprised with what you've seen so far? So Jalen Hurts, let's be let's be real here with all of the Bucks fans that are out there listening. Um, Jalen Hurts through the five through the first five weeks to start has been. Uh, decent. And we look at, you know, some fantasy numbers. We look at a lot of the stats that he's put up and really they have not been that bad. And really what we've seen is, is that Jalen hurts has a problem in the pocket. Okay. Uh, he also, obviously he, he, his bread and butter is, you know, obviously get him really to, uh, scramble outside either right or left. And he's able to really find guys on the run. And, You know, from what we got to see against Carolina, um, there were multiple throws that were just really, really bad. Um, And not only that, too, Evan, we we got to see what uh, what he's really capable of. And right now, I think is one giant question mark. I think what we've seen through the first five weeks is just complete uncertainty. We don't know what he's truly capable of. He wasn't 100% draft. He wasn't really drafted to be a starting quarterback. He was supposed to be that 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 security blanket for Carson Wentz under uh, Doug Peterson, former uh, Eagles head coach. And there was a, a moment in the last game that I actually have written down here in my handy dandy notebook because it really just it blew my mind, Evan. And it was eight 56 remaining in the third quarter. And it was a play action intended for Zach Ertz that went into the hands of Dante Jackson. Okay. And he was complete. He was the, he was the right fielder. Essentially. He came all the way over and just, it was about, I would say, I think it was like five or six yards past Zach Ertz. And he threw that right in the pocket too. He had about three or four seconds from what we got to see. And I'll bring that up later on in the show. Um, you know, that he had a ton of time. He was able to, he was able to throw, he was able to do whatnot, and he completely missed. Um, against Atlanta was, you know, 264 yards total, 27 for 35. There's so much throwing right now. Um, but Jalen Hurts is just one giant question mark, Evan. And we don't know really what he's going to be like, especially because the play calling has been beyond mediocre from new head coach Nick Sirianni. Um, and it's just, it really has not been great for him in the air. It has not been great for him, uh, on the run, regardless of some of these stats again with Kansas city, obviously some of the garbage yards, 387 with a couple of touchdowns and one of which coming, you know, in the last few moments. Um, but with Dallas also, that one was the biggest telltale sign, two touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, 25 for 39. There was just so much wrong there he played absolutely awful um but 
And this is another thing that, again, I had to write down because when I was doing my research on this and seeing what he was capable of, I got a chance to look at NFL.com and I got to see what Kurt Warner had said a couple of weeks ago, Evan. And this is something that really was so spot on where he's so inconsistent throwing and, quote, he's having a problem understanding defenses early on in his career. And that's, I think, where we're at right now. And, you know, two wins, three losses, it doesn't really matter. Fact of the matter is that he's got a lot of learning to do, and the injuries on the offensive side aren't helping him either. Yeah, I saw that Kurt Warner quote, and I found that really interesting, especially when you consider the fact that he's going up against a defense like a Todd Bowles defense this week. Excuse me. One that is not simple. It's complicated. You're going to get pressure from all different types of directions. You're going to see all different types of pressure packages, and you're also going to see all kinds of different players dropping back in coverage. I mean, if if you've watched Bucks games so far this year, you've seen players like Vita Vea and Dominic Sue, uh, Jason Pierre, Paul, Shaq Barrett, even though the latter two, um, even though they aren't as uncommon as the former two, but you see those types of guys drop back in coverage. So uh, it's a really exotic defense, and it's going to be interesting to see how Jalen handles this. The one thing that does worry me, and you mentioned this, though, is his ability to make plays out of structure. Mm -hmm. We saw this a lot with Dak Prescott in week one and with just – Quarterbacks who aren't necessarily mobile, but who can move the pocket. Uh, The Tampa Bay defense, it's kind of a one track. Like, I'm going to fire out of this cannon and I'm going to hit my mark. But Mm -hmm. if you just so happen to move this defense off the spot and then get this secondary jambled and jumbled and confused. Yeah, I made up a word whenever I said jambled right there. But I think, <laughs> I think, y'all, I think y'all understand what I'm saying. Uh, then you can knock them off their spot, and especially when it's a secondary that's missing its top three corners. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be interested to see what Jalen can do out of structure this week. And if he can make those plays like he did, Atlanta, Atlanta had him dead to rights three or four different times, but his mobility, his escapability was able to buy him extra time and he was able to extend plays, you know, whatever. Um, If he can do that in this game, like we saw Dak Prescott do, like we saw Matt Stafford do a couple times, even Mac Jones, uh, then, man, it, it might end up being quite a long day for this Tampa Bay defense. But right now, it doesn't matter who Tampa's defense is facing. It's going to be a long day anyways, especially whenever it comes to running backs and catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, Miles Gaskin with the Dolphins, 10 catches, 74 yards, two touchdowns last week. Uh, Six of those receptions, 60 of those yards, and one of those touchdowns came while Levante David was still in the game. So it's not like the Dolphins started attacking a soft spot once Levante David went out of the game. Well, guess what? Now the Bucs have to face off against Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell, who aren't filling up the stat sheet too much right now, but they're two really, really good pass-catching backs. Do you see them – and let me let me preface this before, as I ask this question. You never want to be checking down to your backs too much, right? Like yeah. that that's when you know things might be going wrong or it just might be a last ditch effort. Like nobody ever thinks of checking down to running backs as a surefire way to run an offense. However, if there are opportunities to be had, take them. So do you see those two guys being a big part of the game plan this week? 
Unfortunately not. And the reason why is, is because Nick Sirianni has not used them. He has not used them simply has been all over the passing game this entire season. Uh, It's really unfortunate because you look at what uh, against the Carolina against Carolina and a combined 13 carries for a whopper of just 61 total yards. Uh, It's been, it's been brutal. Um, it's been brutal for this, for this rushing offense, for the Philadelphia Eagles. And from what, from what we've gotten to see, surprisingly, they're, you know, ranked 13th, they average about 116.4 uh, rushing yards, but obviously we all know that's most of that's from Jalen hurts. Um, I, I really don't believe that they're going to be a part of it. And every time also that, that, uh, that the Eagles screen game is, uh, is, is, you know, off kilter by even the slightest of all margins. Um, you know, their offense is in complete shambles in terms of, in terms of the, the slightest possibility that they might be brought into, you know, or I guess returning for a role such as Miles Sanders, um, you might, it might happen, but again, against the number one rush defense in the NFL, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what Sirianni is going to do. And the reason why is because again, just like what I said earlier about uncertainty, we have no idea what this man is capable of in terms of what he could possibly do in terms of the place he's calling. Will he run? Um, who, who's, who's going to be, who's going to be that third down back. We have no idea what he's going to decide on Thursday, on Sunday. Hell, it could be even be on Monday. Um, and it's just, it, it's, it's not a good thing. The only difference would be is because Dallas Goddard is most likely out due to COVID. Um, so maybe I, I really don't see much, much happening there with, um, with those two, quite honest with you. Well, and last week was kind of a surprise, to be honest, with Miles Gaskin's success because – Oh, my God, yeah. Tampa Bay, I mean, they've they've notoriously been really, really good against the run over the last couple of years. And even, yep. even when it comes to running backs catching the ball, they've been pretty damn good at stopping them in that regard. But Miles Gaskin just tore him up last year, last week. So, I'm sure a lot of Bucks fans really enjoy hearing the fact that Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell – um, won't be that big a part of the game plan. Uh, so just sticking with those two, or just sticking with Miles Sanders real quick, dude, he tore it up in 2019, especially over those last, what, eight, 10 games of the year. Yeah. I mean, I rode him all the way to a fantasy championship. I'm sure many other people <laughs> did as well. Uh, but he obviously hasn't just, he, he actually had a pretty underrated year last year, but in terms of what was expected of him, you know, you could definitely say last year didn't meet expectations. And so far this year, it's definitely been the same. Why hasn't he taken off like a lot of people, including myself, thought he would after 2019? Well, I'm going to say this also to you, Evan, is, is that you had Miles Sanders a couple of years ago in fantasy. I have him this year in fantasy and is one giant dud this yeah, year. Yeah, I'm about to say it's a little bit yeah. of a difference right there. One <laughs> giant dud. There's no doubt. But for starters, the most obvious one for the football 101 fans that are out there there's no offensive line. Uh, you've got three out of the five guys are out. Uh, Isaac Siomalo, uh, he had a lower body injury um, that, you know, he, he was done after uh, the Dallas game. And then uh, Brandon Brooks, he was out and he was put on the injured reserve for the next uh, six weeks, obviously. Uh, so he'll be back later on in the season. 
and also Lane Johnson, uh, you know, again, we don't really want to speculate, but there, there is a, a personal matter from what, from what we are seeing, from what we are hearing. Um, so right there. And also Jordan Mailata, who just signed a lucrative four-year deal, uh, in the latter parts of training camp, uh, was hurt. He hurt his leg. Um, and you've got the only one left is Jason Kelsey, who has played 100% of your offensive snaps this entire season. Uh, he did the same exact last year, but again, he needs help around him. Um, in addition to not having offen- in a, a, a true offensive line for Sanders, the, the ever-changing play calling from Nick Sirianni, we don't, he can't get into a rhythm. And that is the biggest thing here that is a problem, is that there is, I think, against uh, Dallas, there was a grand total for him of two carries. Two carries. Kenneth Gainwell, I believe, had three. I think maybe three for a grand total. I think of maybe 27 yards, something ridiculous like that. And it's really sad to see what's going on here where everything is just pass first, pass first. And Miles Sanders is a pro bowl running back. And right now what we are seeing also with Sanders is, is that his talent is not getting utilized. His talent is not being used under this question mark of an offense. We have no idea what he is capable of here. And I think we have to look at, you know, he's a great pass catcher, a great pass catcher. We knew that in 2019, but, um, you know, we, we brought up earlier about this, about the screen game. We brought up about um, just about the, about the rushes in general. I think that this is just a, um, a complete disaster this entire season. I think that everything in terms of changing the offense over and over and over again, and the consistency factor is the biggest reason why Evan, there's this little stat that I want to bring up as well, which is really a sad one. Uh, he's averaging right now. If he stays 48, 42.8 yards, uh, averaging, and he's going to be on pace for a grand total of 700, 770.4 total yards, uh, which is, would be the lowest in his three year career so far. Um, and, and that's even if, there are times when he might get 11 or 15 carries or whatever. He got 11 carries against Carolina. He got 15 against Atlanta. And maybe exactly what Jalen Hurts said against Dallas after that loss, that disgusting loss, was that the run game has to be utilized. And he called out Nick Sirianni on it too. You have to utilize this run game and show this potential of what this kid has. And he's got it. And Kenneth Gainwell has it also. But Miles Sanders, though, he, if, if they don't fix things, um, if they don't fix things in terms of play calling, this will be a waste of a talent this year. And the year will go by um, with, you know, a dud of numbers. It's interesting to see the 180 between these two coaching staffs, as you're describing with Nick Sirianni, not really running the ball. And no, Doug yeah. Peterson, he loved to run the ball. I mean, that's what that's was really the staple of his offense. Everybody thinks of, you know, the Philly special or just the high flying Car- Carson Wentz highlights during that 2017 season uh, before he got hurt. But really, it's about running the ball when it comes to Doug Peterson's offense. And that's just like you said, just not the case with Nick Sirianni right now. And he definitely is finding that groove when it comes to being a first year head coach. It's just 
too bad that he's looking for that groove in about, I don't know, a field of 12 foot grass is, as opposed to a nicely trimmed manicured backyard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. It's I mean, so those, true. yeah. Like when, when you're looking for stuff, you know, your, your environment, your surroundings definitely has an effect. So when I sent you the rundown with these questions, it initially involved Dallas Goddard, and I'm glad you brought him up uh, with him most likely missing this game Thursday night because of COVID. But, hey, Tampa Bay, I don't know if you've, if you've noticed this, doing research on this game or not just yet, but they struggle. I know what you're going to say, but yes. They struggle against just about any tight end, and that's kind of been an issue with Todd Bowles' defenses since, or since he's been in Tampa Bay. So instead of Dallas Goddard, we're going to switch in Zach Ertz. Him, Devontae Smith, they both have big games this week. Tell me why I'm tell me why I'm wrong. Okay. So so full first off, I will tell you you are wrong because <laughs> of um not the first be- time, that's for sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. Well, you walked into that one, buddy. Uh no, you're you are wrong there because I think everything right now that we are seeing will come back down to play calling. And I think right now what it comes down to is is that what the Tampa Bay defense has is a phenomenal defensive front with a banged up with a banged up secondary. So what should Nick Sirianni do? Nick Sirianni do? I don't know. Let's take a peek. Maybe keep throwing by way of Jamel Dean or potentially Richard Sherman. Just keep on throwing. Keep on throwing. Keep on throwing. That is what should be happening. But we also have to add in the fact, kind of what we just said a few seconds ago, is, is that the running game has to be added in there as well. But how difficult, Evan, is that going to be when you're going up against the number one rush defense? Also, JPP is coming back off of a uh, off of an injury. Yeah, okay, he played last week, but you know he, he was a little rusty, no problem. But hey, listen, he's got a few extra days now to go up against a former rival when he was with the New York Giants. Let's keep that in mind as well. So there might be a little, uh, you know, a, a little bit of, um, you know, tough love there when it comes to playing in Philadelphia with him. Um, when I was doing the research here and I got to see how badly you were wrong with this, um, I, I, I think here, Evan, you look at what this team has, um, what this team has done defensively, the Bucks. that is. They're, they're tied for 28th against wide receivers this year. Uh, they're averaging about 11.86 yards per catch. That's according to CBS Sports uh, through the first five weeks. You look at you look at against Miami. They had 14.86 yards um, yards average per catch, uh, 104 total yards. Then you look all the way down against Dallas, and that was the game where you know everyone went down in the first in the first couple of minutes, right? Um, I, I simply think it all has to do with offense. That's the bottom line, and I think that. If they cannot, if they can come up with a plan to just continue to exploit that secondary that is often banged up, they might have a chance. But I think that there's going to be, I think that there's going to be certain plays in there that might involve some running plays finally, and they might get stopped by this, by this, uh, by this tight off uh, defensive line. I really do believe that that's going to happen. And I think that, you know, in the end of the day, it's not going to be what a lot of people are expecting, which is Jalen Hurts to have a, I don't want to say decent or great day or night, 
I would say a good night, a decent night where maybe he could throw, I don't know, let's say about, I don't know, let's say maybe 250 yards. Let's call it two touchdowns. Let's say, let's say maybe a Quez Watkins. Let's say a Zach Ertz, maybe. Guys that you wouldn't think of, right? Um, I, 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 don't, I, I don't see any positives here. I really don't. And I think that every single time, every single week also that we're seeing Richard Sherman get on this field, he is beginning to learn this playbook more and more and more. And I think that he will eventually become himself. And I think that, again, also with Jamel Dean coming back too, those two will eventually find their groove. And I think that Todd Bowles is going to find their groove. And it always comes down to whenever a team plays the Eagles. That's just how it, it, how it, it is how it is. And I believe it's going to happen this week. So that's why I think you're wrong. And I think that the Eagles will eventually, well, I mean, they were going to lose either way, but it's going to be a loss to, you know, end off your question there. Well, so, and that's, so everything we've talked about so far with Nick Sirianni not finding a groove, you know, Jalen Hurts, you know, what, what can he show officially, you know, like what can be his statement game, even though, you know, last week, a lot of people could point to the Carolina game. Well, you know, the defense and special teams kind of help prop up a, a faltering offense in that week, the block punt. Correct. Right. And so on and so forth. But if there's yeah. ever a time to find your groove as a play caller, as a quarterback, it's against this Bucks defense. And you're absolutely right. The front seven, well, the front six, I should say, without Levante David now. Right. Uh, they they are astounding, even though Devin White has been really quiet so far this year. Uh, JPP, and he's been injured. But Shaq Barrett has been his usual self. Vita Vea has been his usual self. Will Golston yep. has two sacks. And Dominic and Sue's making plays. So, You've still got the majority. Joe Tryon, too. Joe Tryon, Shoyinka, the first-round pick. Yeah. He's already has two sacks on the year, got both of those against the Patriots. But, so with me, and I, I talked about this a little bit with Jeff Warren um, in the earlier segment, but with me, I was this close to sounding the alarm on this secondary last week because it's one thing to have injuries. It's one thing to face Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, even Mac Jones as your first four quarterbacks. But it's completely different to have Jacoby Brissett and the Miami Dolphins missing three of their top receivers in Devontae Parker, uh, Jakeem Grant, and then I'm blanking completely on the other cat uh, right off the top of my head. But either way, missing those guys last week and this Dolphins offense was able to move up and down the field at will with no problems against Tampa Bay's defense. And when I was watching that happen, I just sat there and thought to myself, man, the Eagles, they have just enough weapons with, at the time, Dallas Goddard, but still Zach Ertz, uh, Devonta Smith, Quez Watkins, like you just said, and the two cats coming out of the backfield to where this offense will find some success on Thursday night. I mean, there's just no way other way to put it. If that front five can block just even just remotely up to an average level, which is tough missing, you know, there's had to been some uh, shifting along the offensive line with Lane Johnson going out. You've got Andre Dillard now at left tackle and Jordan Melotta moved over to right tackle, uh, but he's still playing pretty well. And then obviously yeah. you got, you got Kelsey dealing with the foot ailment. Um and yep. the Landers, Landon Dickerson at guard, who I got to ask Vita Vea earlier in the week, and he said, look, even though Landon Dickerson's a rookie, he still made it to the NFL just like I did, so I'm going to treat him like any other veteran or anything, which I thought was pretty cool for Vita to say that. Oh, but yeah. regardless, 
Um, if they can just give Jalen time, and like I said earlier, they might not even have to because he can make plays out of structure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But at the end of the day, when, when it comes to the lack of stopping the run on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm trying not to give away my prediction too quick here, but when it comes <laughs> to, the, to, the, to the lack of stopping the run on the defensive side of the ball, and then plus the penalties, the mistakes, the Eagles aren't committing turnovers, but they're committing enough penalties to where they could swap out like four or five penalties for turnovers. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, man. What a it, disaster. It just like, – hey, tr- hey, the Bucks are right there behind them. They're number two. So <laughs> Yeah, no, I know, yeah. It's it true. Could, it, it could get real ugly Thursday night. So Evan, I, I want to just interrupt you for a quick second. So, so you 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 blanked out on a name before with Miami. That was Will Fuller, who just there went on the go. injured that's reserve. Really, and yes, you know, and, and and you brought up you brought up just a quick second about about the penalties too. From what from what I've gathered here, the Bucks average about eight penalties, while the Eagles average a grand total of about ten. So yeah, it is going yep. to be a flag filled night yep. in Philadelphia. What a disaster! But you know what though, you said it. So this is something that you said though Evan and I want to just piggyback about the front five is is that what you see about this about this this defensive line and and this front six as you call it without Levante David just think about it you've got a a bust of a left tackle now and Andre Dillard who was supposed to be the brand new shiny piece to this offensive line post Jason Peters era well all of a sudden he blows out his Achilles, and he does not come back the same. He does not come back the same. Landon Dickerson as well. He is a rookie as well. And you also now have Jordan Mailata playing on the opposite side. It's, it is too easy for this front six to just simply give, give Jalen Hurts zero time at all. And okay, he might have to force out of the pocket, but think about it. Any bet he is so inconsistent this season that if he if he might he might be able to find a possible Quez Watkins or anything along those lines, but chances are it's going to be a uh, it, it's going to it's going to be good for this Bucks defense this week. And exactly what you said, if this is a week for the Eagles offense to have a showing, this is the week that the Bucks defense can have a showing. Nice. Well, I'm sure Bucks fans like to hear that. So, in speaking of showing, in terms of showing out, who is your impact player on the Eagles offense? The one guy you see having a big night or a bad enough night to where it throws things into the Bucks' favor? Um, that's tough, and I'll tell you why. Because I had two, and I will say the one. Um, but I can see also, uh, I could see Zach Ertz having a decent night because of the fact that um, there has been some chatter also um, that a pair of AFC teams may just be interested in his services. That was reported earlier by NBC Sports Philadelphia. Um, listen, there might be some, uh, you know, this this is the time that Zach Ertz can shine and it is quite possible that his trade value can go up about, you know, that much. But excuse me it might be able to work out in the Eagles' favor. Yes, okay, they're going to be, I don't want to say sellers. Howie Roseman is never a seller uh, come the trade deadline. But in terms of their biggest trade piece, their biggest trade chip, this is the guy. And I think now with Dallas Goddard being put on the COVID reserve list, most likely will be out this week. 
This is the time for Zach Ertz to shine. And I think that he will be the impact player. I, I, I'll i be honest with you, Evan. I went back and forth with him and Quez Watkins, Quez Watkins because Quez has been completely overlooked. And we got to see last week when the Eagles had a grand total of minus five yards up until I think about, I think it was like the second or it was like second quarter or whatnot. And a 53-yard deep pass that set up the touchdown in the third quarter eventually got this Eagles offense rolling. And one little catch like that, or big catch, if you will, can change the outlook of an entire game. I just think that little passes, little bit, little bits. And from what we've gotten to see so far, again, another CBS Sports stat that I want to bring up here. The Bucs are tied for 25th against tight ends this season. They average seven receptions per nine targets and average about nine yards per catch, 64 yards per game to tight ends. Well, little by little by little, that's the part where I think Zach Ertz might just be your impact player. And I think he will be the one that just might be overlooked because everyone now all of a sudden has their eyes on Quez Watkins, especially from last week. He is now beginning to get noticed, but everyone has forgotten about Zach Ertz so far. We'll see if that holds uh, holds suit later on uh, in the week. It feels like the Eagles have been trying to trade Zach Ertz for like four years now. <laughs> I mean, I know it's, I know it's really it's only sad. Been, it's sad, man. It's, it's really in, sad. In the fact that they haven't been able to find a suitor now, obviously, whether they're asking too much on their end, whatever, whatever the dynamics are, we don't know. But yeah, I mean, considering what he was just back in 2019, it's just wild to watch the drop off happen like it has happened. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. since you're talking Eagles offense, obviously, I'm talking Bucks defense. So in terms of impact player, I'm going to go with Devin White. Uh, that's that's you could classify that as low hanging fruit, especially with the the injury to Levante David. However, it's it's just simple. The Bucks the Bucks are going to need him to step up. He, like I said, he's been really quiet this year. He has not been the guy we saw that just absolutely took over in the playoffs. He hasn't even been the guy that we've seen out of the last two regular seasons that's made splash plays from here to there. I mean, I, I just don't know what it is. I still haven't been able to get the all twenty two, so I, I haven't been able to watch tape like. I usually can. However, yeah. and like I said, with with Zach Ertz, like you said, making plays with the running backs, making plays out out of the backfield with their hands, not in terms of running the ball, but in terms of catching the ball. That's right. Uh, the Bucks are going to need to have that second level solidified, and that obviously all starts with uh, Devin White. So, before we get to the final score prediction, what is your one bold prediction? What do you see popping off on Thursday night? So I can actually see um, about two touchdowns from Jalen Hurts. And that is my bold prediction. And the biggest thing also is, is that if the offense can stay on the field, uh, I think that this game will be a lot closer. And if they can begin to just pick apart this Bucks defense little by little by little and keep them on the field and have time and possession just go up and up and up and up. The, the bold prediction to me is, is that this team will actually keep it close. And I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer to any Eagles fan that's listening to this or a Bucks guy that's talking about the Eagles. The fact of the matter is, is that 
The Eagles cannot stay on the field offensively. They go for it on fourth down at times, and there is nothing to be to be had there. Literally nothing. Yeah, I saw, I their, think I saw, their, I saw their like one for eight on fourth down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They are one for eight on fourth down. And I have a feeling that Nick Sirianni is trying to channel his inner Doug Peterson. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, we're trying to go for it here. We're trying to go for it here. Why? Punt it away. Do you have, do you not have any faith in Jake Elliott? What is the problem here? And they're going for it at the, at the worst possible spots on the field. It doesn't make sense to me. My bold prediction is, is that this Eagles time of possession will be higher than most games. And I think that they will actually keep it close. That's what it comes down to, Evan. That's really what I think. And it, it, it's sad to say. It really is. <laughs> my, my bold prediction uh, so far, Leonard Fournette, over the last two weeks, he's really taken off uh, in the previous segment with Jeff. He was my impact player on the Bucks offense. And I think he's going to have another big game this week uh, in the past game and on the ground. Uh, I think Leonard Fournette is not only going to total over 100 yards of scrimmage or hold on total over 100 yards from scrimmage for the third straight week. I'm mm-hmm. going to give him an extra 50 burger and say he goes over 150 total scrimmage yards and scores a touchdown, either passing or receiving for the second straight week. Uh, so obviously we both have kind of leaned into what we think is going to happen in terms of the final score, but Joey, my man, you know, I got to get something official on record. So what is your final score prediction before we sign out of here? 35-24, Tampa Bay wins. And for all of those that have the, the over, I would, just, I would just slam the over. That's really what I would do. And I really do believe, especially with this Bucks, Bucks defense that is literally hobbling in slowly but surely is getting, is getting healthier. I don't want to say, uh, let, me, let me rephrase that. They are finding their pieces back little by little. And when I say little, I mean smudges. (laughs) Definitely. They're getting there, but this is the time that, like I said, the Eagles can do some damage. They can. And I think that it will be an 11 point win for Tampa Bay. And just before we go, Evan, I just want to just say this one thing as well. We look at also some of the tackles too, that the Eagles have and surprisingly, they're about, uh, you know, let's just say bottom four in the league as well. So there is no surprising there. So exactly what you're talking about with Leonard Fournette. Yes, I, I agree that the, the tackles have been abysmal, all of which is that, you know, so yeah, 35-24, man, it's, um, it, it's not going to be as, it's not going to be as, uh, as, a, as much of a blowout as some Bucks fans may think. So I've got Tampa Bay winning uh, 32-28. I do think the Eagles. Wow. I think, I think. well, let, let me let me say, though, I do think that the Eagles are going to score a backdoor touchdown at the end to not only cover the spread, but make it seem a lot closer than what the entire <laughs> total game might be. I think the Bucs are going to keep, you know, keep, keep the Eagles at arm's distance for the most part throughout the game, but – there isn't going to be any spot during the game where the Bucks or a Bucks fan is going to feel entirely comfortable. I'm I'm right there with you. I think the Eagles are going to show enough of a threat, enough poise, enough playmaking ability on both sides of the ball. Oh yeah, to where they at least you know it's not going to be like it was 
third quarter of the Miami game last week where it was 38-17. It's not going to be anything like that. So No. Joey, man, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was my pleasure having you on. I know I tagged you once. I know I plugged your stuff in the beginning, but go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you one more time. Well, first off, Evan, I cannot thank you enough for having me on your podcast because it has been a, an absolute pleasure. And, of course, you're going to be back on the primetime rundown at some point. So, uh, yeah, my uh, my Twitter is at RealJoeyJazz, um, R-E-A-L-J-O-E-Y-J-A-Z-Z. Uh, and also you can find us on uh, on Twitter. The uh, As you can see in our backdrop, the primetime rundown is on the Eastern Observer. You could follow us at Observe Eastern. Uh, all good things ahead in our show uh, is on Friday nights from 7 to 9 Eastern, uh, Eastern time. And uh, yeah, you can also log on to the EasternObserver.com for more details and uh, or follow us on uh, on social media. So and also, of course, when Evan comes back on, uh, we'd love to have all of his viewers on our show as well. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll be uh, previewing a playoff game next time we talk. <laughs> oh, yes, we will. Bucks Eagles. Let's do it. But yeah, man. Again, thanks so much for coming on. Y'all heard him there. Be sure to check everything out. That is at Real Joey Jazz. That is at Observe Eastern. Joey, one more time. Thank you again, man. And we will talk soon. Evan, thanks so much, man. Have a great one. Okay. Do the same. That will do it for Season 1, Episode 10 of the Believe in Bucks podcast. I'm so thankful for all of you tuning in. I am also so thankful for Jeff and Joey uh, coming on to break down this Thursday night matchup. Uh, do not think I will be doing an Instant Reactions episode because I'm actually leaving for Jackson Hole the following morning after the game, and our flight leaves at 5 o'clock in the morning. That's right. So I get to get up at about, oh, the wonderful hour of two in the morning in order to make sure I get to the airport on time. So, yeah, that's we're going to be a little stretch for content, but who knows? Maybe I might Superman it. I don't know. Y'all know I've never really been one to put much extra effort into anything. <laughs> but anyways, thank you again, everyone, for listening. Another shout out to Jeff and Joey. And until next time, everyone, stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe, and go Bucks! listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube